You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Welcome. We are still in the book of Ruth. If you are curious, four chapters and it's taken me seven weeks. So I apologize. What an incredible book where we've gotten to see the faithfulness of God, the redeeming love of God on display. Wendy was giving me a hard time. She's like, it sounds like all of your statements are the same. There's a strong theme in this book of God's love, and we get a chance to see it work out in surprising and amazing ways, in ways that we wouldn't expect. We have a couple of main characters. Naomi is a wife and a mother at the beginning of the book. She loses her sons and her husband. And we see things get very, very difficult for her. Ruth, her one daughter-in-law, stays with her. They had left because of famine, and they come back to Bethlehem together. And we see a lot of these themes tie back together at the end of this chapter, chapter 4, the end of the book. We see God's love fully out there for us to see, for witnesses to see. Ruth We see that God brings this beautiful culmination to the story, and we might think that it's the end, but God meets and then exceeds our expectations. He takes things to a whole nother level. I don't know about you, like a lot of people, when they grow up, they become adults, they look back, and they look back on high school, and they think, oh man, high school was horrible. I'm so glad it's over. It's done with. I'm past that. I don't think that way. Some of you maybe are in high school. I loved, high school was awesome. Very little responsibility. Your parents paid for everything. You didn't have to get yourself any place. You just showed up sort of when your mom dropped you off at school. It was awesome. Very good. I graduate from high school. You have a graduation party. It's sort of the culmination. You think like, hey, we've made it. I graduated high school. This is great. People come. They say, hey, way to go. You didn't fail. So you made it. Didn't fail high school. Congratulations. And I thought, all right, high school was great. But then I went to college and college was even better. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I had all sorts of free time in college, and I was like, man, this is amazing. It was so much fun. I was like studying some, a little, like a little bit, but then I got to hang out with all my friends. We all lived together. It was great. And I thought, wow, the closing of one great chapter sort of led to this next incredible thing that I didn't realize was going to be as awesome as it was. This is sort of what happens. We see this story take this horrible turn right at the beginning. And then we start to see some redemption take place. This incredible character, Boaz, steps into Ruth's life, and he's going to become a kinsman redeemer for them. He's going to redeem the family. And you think, like, okay, Ruth has proposed. Boaz is getting ready. They're going to get married. Everything is going well. The story takes a positive turn. But right when you think, like, okay, this is about as good as it's going to get, it gets even better. And we see God's love witnessed by the world. The world witnesses God's love. Verse 13 in chapter 4 is how our story that we're going to look at starts as we see this incredible love on display. So Boaz took Ruth 
and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. She has a son, and God enables these things to happen. And we see all of these themes from chapter 1 and 2 and 3 sort of start to unfold in incredible ways. Ruth has a son, and they're celebrating, and these people witness what took place. We see this theme of witnessing happen in this book. Boaz goes to the gates and he says, you're witnesses to what's happening here. The, the Naomi comes home and they see her come and they say, hey, is this Naomi? She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Call me bitter because the Lord, he, he, I went out full, but God brought me back empty. But now Boaz has Ruth as his wife and they have a son. And it's to show the world God's love. For us to witness God's love as we read this story. And for those people to see it. To be witnesses of how incredible God is. And we witness God's love in, in three ways that we see in this passage. We witness it through the praise that God deserves and gets as a result of this baby being born. The protection that God offers this vulnerable Woman, this vulnerable group of people, and the provision that God provides through a baby. Protection, praise, protection, and provision. Verse 14, the praise is given to God. The woman said to Naomi, the women, these women that were at the gate and they saw her come back, they're like, is this Naomi? She's like, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter because my life is empty now. She, she comes back and the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. May he become famous, may this baby, may this guardian redeemer become famous throughout Israel. And they say, praise be to God. So what we saw earlier is Naomi, when good things happened, she went out full. She was full. She left. Things were good. But God brought her back empty. And I think this is a pattern we have sometimes. We blame God for the negative things, and we take positive credit. When, when good things happen, we're like, well, well, that's clearly because I'm so smart or such a good person that positive things are happening to me, when the opposite is true. God deserves credit for all of the positive things in our lives. He's the one who makes anything good happen in our sinful, broken world, in our sinful hearts. He's the one who makes good things happen. But we often act like we deserve it. I'm like, wow, I, I'm the one who made the good stuff happen. You see at the end of celebrations or somebody wins a championship, they often like interview some of the main athletes and they're like, hey, you know, tell us about how this feels. Like, who do you give credit to? And sometimes people take credit for themselves, but often they're deflecting credit to other people. They're like, well, coach did a great job or my offensive line blocked incredibly well for me. Like they're able to deflect credit and give credit to someone else. This incredible thing happens and these ladies are able to say, praise be to the Lord. He's the one who made this possible. This day, he's not left you without a guardian redeemer. They praise God 
There was a celebration of a soccer team that won uh, a gold in the Olympic competition. And there was one uh, soccer player that said, I deserve this. I'm the one who deserves this championship. And it's like, man, if we really understood what we deserve as a result of our rebellion against God, we wouldn't say things like that. We wouldn't claim to deserve anything. When we can deflect and give credit for the positive things that happen to God, then we're living in a place where we're actually understanding and recognizing reality. God uses this baby, and they praise God. This is the only time in the entire Old Testament when a baby is referred to as a kinsman redeemer. This phrase is used often in the Old Testament, but it's always referring to an adult. This is the only time that it refers to a child. He is, God is using a baby to redeem this woman, a child. And so this puts on display for us that God often uses the most unexpected things that we would never expect to bring him glory. It shows how incredible he is that he brings a baby into this situation and this baby is going to be the redeemer for this woman. God says, look, I'm going to use anything to show you just how amazing I am. The unexpected, the simple tool that's used by the master craftsman to bring about the most amazing result, to bring him praise so we can see how incredible he is. I saw this painting online and I thought like, man, that's, that's a beautiful painting. I, I'm not an artist. Some of you maybe are like, well, yeah, I could do something. I, never in a million years. I could never do uh, a painting like this. It's just not happening. I'm a stick figure guy. So I, I watched, I, I saw this painting and I thought, wow, that's really pretty good. That's an awesome painting. And then let's click to the the next picture. And when you realize that the painting was done by a guy who who lost both of his arms and one of his eyes in an accident at work, and, and he paints with the paintbrush in his mouth, it changes how beautiful you think the picture is. And so what God does is he uses a baby to redeem this woman. As if to foreshadow for us another baby that's going to come into the world. To redeem us. To show us that it's through the unexpected. And actually, this is great news for us. If you've ever thought to yourself, like, God, how could you ever use somebody like me? How could you ever use me for your glory, for your praise? The point of this, when they give praise to God because God brought a baby in as the kinsman redeemer. It's as if God's also saying to us, I can still use even you, even me, in the midst of our brokenness, our fallenness, our sin, our selfishness. God can still work. In fact, those are the people he loves to work through the most because when people see his incredible result out of our unbelievable brokenness, it makes what he does even more amazing. They praise, they praise God for this baby who's the kinsman redeemer. May he be made famous. Verse 15, it talks about the protection that this baby offers Naomi. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you 
and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. God's going to use this baby to provide, like renew the life of Naomi. Her life is going to be renewed. And in your old age, he's going to sustain you. This actually translated in Hebrew says, like, he's going to feed you when your hair is gray. You're going to get old, and how many of us, like, you, you hope that that's true. Like, your kids are going to feed you when you need help when you get older, right? Like, help take care of me. I'm going to need that help. And so you, you, he's saying, look, you're going to be cared for through this baby. He's going to protect you as you age and renew your life. A baby. That's a lot of pressure for this little guy. He's in the world, and they're like, hey, praise God. You're the kinsman redeemer for Naomi, and you're the protection that she needs. This baby is going to renew life and sustain her in her old age. Protect her. Make sure she's cared for. You know, we're kind of, in our culture, obsessed with or maybe you're not obsessed with it but one of the primary principles that we need in order to live is the idea of insurance like you can't not have car insurance you need you'll get a ticket if if you get pulled over and you don't have proof of insurance we need these insurance policies to make sure in case the unexpected happens that we're going to be able to take care of an accident if it were to take place And so this protection that this baby offers is like God saying, look, I'm going to make sure that you're cared for through this child. This child is sort of your long-term care insurance policy. He's going to make sure you're all right. We have an an elder here at the church who I I mentioned a while back, everybody's okay. His his house was struck by lightning and, and it was a total loss. He lost, he and his wife lost everything. And the, the house was struck and the fire was going through the walls, unbelievably hot, just melting like this. He described this cast iron pot that was split in two because the heat was so intense. And somebody else who had driven, through, driven by the house said, you couldn't even tell that there was a fire from the road. You couldn't even tell. But they couldn't even go in. Like It was completely destroyed inside. It was this catastrophic event. And he actually had like this total home replacement policy where like even though the cost of what it's going to take to replace the house is really high right now because materials are unbelievably expensive. If you're in construction, you know that. And so he, he's going to be totally covered for the gap. It's going to be okay. He's got total replacement. And as I was thinking about the idea of protecting the things that God has given us, the the need and desire for protection, and I thought about this guy's house, a comparison immediately came to mind. How many of us walk around and maybe if somebody just drives by our life, they look at us and they think, wow, they, they everything looks okay. Everything's all right from the outside when The flames of of sin are working their way through the walls of our lives and just causing destruction and devastation. When the protection that we really need isn't from an insurance company. It's not from Allstate or Liberty Mutual. We don't need to go to these companies ultimately for soul protection. The protection that's given to us 
is through another child that came to this earth that was given as a gift, like Naomi receives this baby. And even though sin has destroyed the inner workings of our souls and our lives in this world, renewal is possible through the blood of Jesus Christ, this baby that offers eternal protection from the brokenness of sin and the fallenness of this world. Real protection that can never be taken away, where you don't have to worry on the day when it really matters that you're going to call your insurance company and they're going to say you're not covered for that. Sorry. Jesus, through His blood, offers us eternal salvation, real protection. This baby is Praise is offered for this baby. He offers protection to Naomi. And in verses 16 and 17, we see how God provides for Naomi through Obed, this baby. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, King David, a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest kings in the history of God's people, Israel, his chosen ones. Obed. That name Obed means serve, to serve. Obadiah means servant of Yahweh, servant of God. So he is given the name serve, and they say out loud, these women declare, Naomi has a son. If we look back at chapter 1, Naomi, when she's talking to her daughters-in-law, what does she say to make them go away? She says, am I going to have more sons that you could wait and marry them? She says, sarcastically, my time is over. My time is done. And yet here at the end of chapter 4, They declare aloud for everyone to witness, Naomi has a son. You would think that the son belongs to Ruth, but he's given as a gift to Naomi. Naomi has a son. What this means is sometimes when you think the story's over, God's just getting started. And maybe you've sort of closed the door on faith in your life, or you're like, hey, I used to think that, or I'm just here because, you know, somebody invited me. I'm just checking this out. I'm not really into this thing, or I did that. I used to think that, but now I don't think things of faith are important. God might just be opening the door to your heart to himself where he can start anew, where you thought your time was done. Naomi said sarcastically, am I going to have any more children? And yet, a couple chapters later, they say, Naomi has a son. Obed. Not just any son. A son that's going to bring an incredible king into the world. And from that king, the ultimate king, will be brought to all of us. When I was working in Chicago, I got a chance to work alongside of this incredible lady. Her name is Jackie, and she ran all of the compassion initiatives for us at Willow North Shore. 
And she was a really special, kind, wonderful woman. She was late into her 30s. And I remember just working alongside of her. And, and she would talk sometimes about how she had just lived life as a, a single person. She had never found the person that, that God was going to bring along for her. And this was grieving to her. It, it was hard for her to be in that place. But she tried to just serve God and recognize that, you know, sometimes people are called to be single. She didn't let it become something that became bitter for her, but she came to a place where she was okay. And as I worked there, and I got to see her serve God and get a little further along in her life's journey, there was a kid that started coming to the youth group, and his dad was named Jim. And I got to know Jim a little bit, and his wife had passed away five years earlier. And, and I knew that Jackie thought that her time was over, her time had passed. Like, look, there's, this isn't going to come together for me in the way that I maybe thought that it was going to. And over the next couple years, I got to see Jackie and Jim fall in love and get married and start a new family together. And she thought that it was over, but it wasn't over. God was just getting started, and he was working even in the midst of her brokenness and pain to bring about a result that was going to bring glory to his name. Now, listen, I know that not every story ends like this in this world. And I know that not every story ends like my friend Jackie's where she was able to sort of have this hallmark ending, right? Like we watch those movies because they all sort of end the same, sort of happily. It's like, okay, well, they're together, and that's great. Wonderful. But the point of the baby that this points to, that Naomi has a son, means that the real hope of your life, of everything that you could ever want, if you don't get anything else, if you never get the promotion, if you don't get into that school, if you never find the person that you thought maybe you were looking for, all of those hopes and desires can be 100% completely met in the person of Christ. We can find that hope in Him and never need anything else. This is the point that you were created for was to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He provides for us in that so that we can stop looking to the world for the things that we thought that we wanted. At the beginning of this book in Ruth chapter 1, it says that this all was taking place during the time of the judges, which was a horrible time in the history of Israel. It was a brutal time. Bad stuff was happening during the time of the judges. But at this time, God was already working for the salvation of his people in the brokenness of their sin. He was bringing Ruth and Boaz together to have this child to give to Naomi so that Obed would have Jesse and Jesse would have David and David would bring us Jesus. God is at work in the very depth of the valley that you think you may be going through to bring salvation to you and to me. A mother that we wouldn't have expected gives birth 
to the royal line of David. Ruth, a foreigner, an unwed mother, 2,000 years ago gave birth to the ultimate king in Jesus. You see, there was praise offered because of this baby by the women. They saw that Ruth had a son and they gave praise be to the Lord. Praise was given when Jesus was born by shepherds and wise men and angels. He is worthy of our praise. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Just like Obed is a servant and protects and provides for his mother. He is given as a gift from Ruth to Naomi. And Jesus, who when he was in heaven needed nothing, lived perfectly. And yet, because of God's great love, came to this earth to be sacrificed so that you and I could be protected from the wrath of God so that our sin could fall on Him. And it's His blood that would wash us clean. So what about you today? Is, is there part of you that maybe thought the story was done? Is there part of you that thought maybe God wasn't going to make something new happen in your life? I would encourage you to remember that it's in the darkest, most painful moments that God is working towards His praise in your ultimate salvation. And when we go to Christ, we can receive those things no matter where you are on that path. Because before you and I were born, this story was told. Before you and I came to this earth, Jesus already acted to make a way for you and I to come home. You are loved. God's love was witnessed by all. And maybe when you thought God was done, he was just getting started. Remember to open your eyes to try to see the goodness of God and remember what an incredible God it is that we serve, that he took all of these elements of brokenness of a story to paint a beautiful picture in your life, in mine, through the sacrifice of Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll close. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that even a story that is not from our time or isn't it all similar actually to our culture god your truth rises above it all and father i pray in the tumultuous time in which we live that we would be anchored in your truth that we would think about and know how incredible you are 
and how amazing the sacrifice that you gave us through Christ is. God, I pray if there's anybody here that thought maybe their time had passed them by or maybe God's just not going to do some of the things that I thought he was going to do, that they would start to think that maybe they thought you were done, but you were just getting started. Father, thank you for a chance to be together and worship you. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Ogden Church. We would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 10.30 a.m. If you would like any more information, you can find us on Facebook or at ogdenchurch.org.